As the world emerges from the shadows of a pandemic, we're all wondering what's next. Has our experience in lockdown altered the future we expected, or has it simply accelerated ongoing change? What's in store for us over the next few years? Join me, Susie Golding, and me, Andrew Clark, in Singapore every week. As we ask leaders across Asia, working in marketing, communications, and lifestyle, one simple question. What's, What's next? Hi, Susie. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm actually coming into the office, which is really good. So life is a little less frantic and anxious than being cooped up at home. How are you this week? Oh, very good. Mind you, my cats are driving me absolutely nuts. Yes, you've, you've had a few problems with the cats, haven't you? Well, they're both very vocal and they like to climb on you which, you know, becomes a little bit awkward when you're doing a, a Zoom meeting for work. Or recording a podcast. If you hear funny sounds in the background, it's probably Susie's cats. <laughs> There's no way I could record this at home, to be honest with you. My, my kids would be in every five seconds screaming and bawling. <laughs> so don't keep me in suspense, Andrew. Who are we talking to this week? It is Jason De La Pena. Now, Jason is a good old friend of mine. The reason that I know him is that we worked together years and years ago when we were making vignettes, which are basically adverts on Fox Sports. And he was the talent. And he's agreed to come on the podcast to talk to us about what's next in the world of sports. And I bet he's really feeling it right, because the sports industry has just been decimated um, over the last few months. And I think people are desperate to know when it's coming back and what it's going to look like, which hopefully he's going to reveal his thoughts on that to us today. And normally at this time of the year, he's travelling the world reporting and doing live coverage on major global sporting events. But that's not the case. So lots of really interesting stuff for us to talk to him about. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Okay, I have started the machine recording. I'm just, where's the damn jack? I had it literally seconds ago. If I can find that, then I can plug in the, the thingy. Either one of the kids has walked off with it, probably stick sticking it up its nose or something. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Good to see you. I can't believe we're all talking to each other after what we've been through in the last few weeks with COVID and the lockdown. And it's been, hey, Susie, Andrew, good to see you guys. Hi, Jason. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for taking the time. Although, what else are we doing, really? Apart from talking to people over a machine. <laughs> we've we've got time. That that normal, such a valuable commodity, we have loads of it at the moment. The problem is the kids are like, can you help with this? Can you help with that? It's like, no, get out. Leave me to do nothing and look at my WhatsApp messages, you know. <laughs> the joys of home learning. How have you been coping with that? Well, I think it's um I think it's been tough, actually, because I think it's put a lot of pressure on us parents because we might be good parents, or at least we think we are, but it doesn't make us good teachers. And, uh, and you know, I've been really caught short with trigonometry, simultaneous equations, and just general division, actually. My daughter looks at me like I'm a complete idiot. This, you should know this, Daddy. I'm like, no, please go and talk to your mother or go and talk to the cat. I'm useless at maths. I don't know about how, how have you guys cope with it all? I mean, for me, I've got two kids and it's been, it, it, we, we, you know, I'm sure that you'll agree with me. We have good days and we have bad days. Oh. There are days when my daughter, she's nine, she's amazing. Mm. I think the key thing is as a parent, the responsibilities the school puts on you to keep up with what they're doing. I mean, I think for them, the biggest struggle really is actually staying focused and concentrating and sticking with it and, and not getting distracted. 
Whereas, whereas for us as parents, we need to, in a way, keep up with it. That's been very challenging. Absolutely. Susie? I'm pretty lucky in that I don't have any kids. But saying that, I have two Bengal cats um, who are very good at disruption, um, particularly when it gets around to uh, dinner time. So I try not to schedule any calls around five o'clock because I know that all I'll hear is <laughs> shouts. <laughs> Yeah. for 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, Jason? So I am a presenter. I'm a TV anchor. I said anchor. I'm a journo. I'm a reporter. But generally, I'm a presenter for the Italian football, the Grand Slam tennis, the major golf, uh, and a bunch of other stuff for Fox Sports Asia. Normally this time of the year, I'm traveling to all the Grand Slams, but obviously uh, I've done shit all for the last... Uh, few weeks i'm i'm creating my own content i'm doing great stuff like this with you guys and i guess your career so far you know sport has been a huge thing uh, and you're an ex-professional sportsman as well ex i like to call it athlete oh Andrew. an ex-athlete as ex-athlete well. i've well the susie's seen me in the gym and i'm definitely not a bloody athlete but susie is an athlete she kills it <laughs> i've seen her she's like she's got the eye oh, of the thank tiger you. Like, thank you. focus so jason and i have something in common we we both go to ritual gym for all you listeners out there, we're hoping to get Brad Robinson on for a future episode of What's Next. So now he can talk. He can. He can bloody talk. You think I can talk? <laughs> Brad can talk. It's changed my life, actually, because aside of me being an ex-professional cricketer, Andrew, and a presenter, a broadcaster, I have this hereditary thyroid condition called Hashimoto's. And for me, high-intensity training is key. Uh, and that's why Ritual Gym, which is high intensity, 18 minute sessions, they smash you. And then you got the rest of the day to walk around with this kind of ready breath glow and a halo above your head because you, you know, you've you've done a good session. It's it's a wonderful, it's a very clever business model. Brad will explain it all in in later pods with you guys. And as an ex-athlete, routine is really important right absolutely absolutely routine is is key to you know when i was playing cricket it was literally routine of putting the right sock on first and having that breakfast wearing that shirt which meant that i would have a good good day in the field batting or bowling you know i mean it literally is routine 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 if i slip out of that routine it's, I sound like a complete nut job, but it sends me in a, into a bit of a spin. It's really interesting you mentioned that, Andrew, because routine, not just to me, but to any professional sports. When I sit in a studio with Daniela Hantakova during our tennis coverage, and she's like, whoa, routine is, you know, it's, it's super important. One thing in particular that Susie and I have been talking a lot about is the issue of mental health, isn't it, Susie? Yeah. I mean, the fact yeah. that there is no, there, there, there is no routine, and, and you obviously spend a lot of time with professional athletes talking to them as well, that the lack of routine, the way that everything has been kind of disrupted, that must really affect the mental health of uh, professional sports people around the world. It's really tough. I'll drop a name now. Patrick Muratoglu. I did an interview with him the other day for Fox, and... Patrick here runs, obviously, is the coach to Serena Williams and many other great tennis players. Uh, he's arguably the greatest coach in tennis right now. He's a beautiful human being as well. I mean, it's quite, I just want to throw up into a bucket. But I said to him, what have you, you know, what have you been chatting with Serena and stuff? Because normally these top professionals are tapering for tournaments at this time for the Grand Slam. Someone like Serena, who's won 23 Grand Slam titles, she will only turn up for the big events. And he's like, yeah, it's really tough because Serena doesn't know when the season's going to start again. When does she 
start tapering? How does she uh, do her diet? Her, you know, what kind of training does she need to do? It's a bloody nightmare. This whole COVID thing has put a complete spanner in life as we know it. One of the things that uh, we're really interested in hearing your opinion on is a lot of spectator sports are now going to take place without spectators actually there. Um, and, and what do you think the impact is that that will have on, on athletes? Because there is an impact on their performance from the crowd as they're, they're performing. What do you think, what do you think that's going to look like in the future? Well, the one thing I would say about that is that I remember my biggest games as a professional sportsman, and I was so in the bubble and focused that I didn't even notice the damn crowd. I spoke to Ian Poulter the other day, the Ryder Cup legend, big Arsenal fan, and we're talking about football and golf. So he was saying Ryder Cup behind closed doors is going to be shit because the Ryder Cup is about the fans. They know their golf and they're behind their golfers. And broadcasters will, I'm sure, pipe the noise in of the crowds. And But the Ryder Cup behind closed doors with empty fairway, uh, empty sides of fairways where the play, it's going to be awful. But as we've seen with the Bundesliga, they've piped in uh, the ebbs and flows of the crowd noises during the game. And it actually works pretty well. For us, the viewer watching on TV, it works okay. The Korean baseball has done massive ratings on ESPN in the United States because people are bloody desperate to, to watch some sport. And now the KBO is a huge brand. And there's a, a Korean commentator, Daniel Kim, who's become a bloody household name in the United States. Mm. But the Korean football... FC Seoul got themselves in hot water because unwittingly uh, they, were, they were using mannequins in the crowd, but those mannequins were sex dolls. Yeah, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and someone's just had an abs. Someone's had a, played a wicked joke. Um, but FC Seoul got in a bit of hot water and they got fined as well. But it sounds as though all of this is just such an incredible faff. It's such a lot of hassle. All this back-end stuff that needs to be done, you know. You need hundreds of people to support an event. Broadcasters who have paid gazillions of dollars for a good product. And the Premier League, Syria, La Liga, PGA Golf, Korean football, baseball, they owe those broadcasters. So they've got to put up a pretty bloody good show. I mean, there's big money at stake here. Yeah. So I think we're, we're now, we want sport back, so get it on TV. Yes, exactly. There's got to be a point. There has to be a point where basically everybody just says, fuck it. I think we're there. But Normally on our show, we like to have a little conversation before we actually do the recording properly. It was a totally different situation a week or so ago when we had our pre-interview chat. It's totally changed again. There are lots more sports, let's say, coming online now. Do you think that's what's next here? That people are just literally going to make a decision, no, we can't deal with this anymore. We're just going to get on with it. I think so. And I think there's so much money at play. And I think governments are aware that we, the people, need our fix of sport. Otherwise, you know... <laughs> Things are things are going to happen. Things are you know people are going to take to the streets and stuff like that. And I and I think people really really need that weekend fix, something to look forward to. The show's got to go on with respect, obviously, to what's happened. But uh, you know, I think I think governments are. I think and I think sporting organisations are right. We got to do something here because otherwise, the whole world is just going to stop. The way that I'm hearing you speaking at the moment, Jason, it sounds to me as though you believe, uh, am I right in saying this, it's all of these decisions that are now being made, you believe that these are the right type of risks to be taking now? 100%. I guess for the top guys, 
there's in many ways there's a lot more at stake but for example dan evans going to the us open there's some serious money to be made for someone like him to get through to the third or fourth round i mean he's going to win hundreds of thousands of us dollars do you know what i mean so for djokovic and rafa to be a little bit blase about it i mean rafa's won what 19 grand slam titles djokovic is on 17 federer's on 20 so they're like ah, we can wait till next year don't worry do you think this changes the game do you think we're going to see do you think we're going to see less salubrious athletes doing better? There's a chance for a young gun to break the stranglehold of Federer, Djokovic and Nadal. You know, it would be so cool to see a different name on, 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 a, on some Grand Slam silverware. You know, I do these bite-sized bulletins every day. And, I, and I, these little crumbs of positivity, I'm literally in raptures because, yay, something's coming back. It's behind doors, closed doors. Who gives a shit? It's sport. And we're going to get it on TV. I'm very bloody passionate about sport, you know. Never. You would never guess. I drive my, my, my I do like 14 hour, 14 hour shifts in the studio during uh, Grand Slam or football or golf or whatever it is. And then I come home and I watch and I watch it again. And my wife's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so, Jason, tell us when you're not thinking about sport, talking about sport, talking to athletes, um, when you do get a bit of that all important me time. Um, what have you been listening, watching, and reading during this extraordinary period? Right. So I'll tell you what I've been reading, and it's the Andre Agassi autobiography called Open, which is amazing. And he talks about his his drug addiction. Uh, it's just an incredibly open story of his life and what a talent and, and what things he experienced during that time with that very dodgy mullet and very colorful tennis clothing. But, you know, he changed the game. Um, and I've also been reading, and I think which has helped me get through this period of lockdown is a, is a I did a meditation course a couple of years ago, and um, there's a guy called based in Singapore, a guy called Vikas Malkarni, and he, you know, with the course you get a book, but it's actually every page has got some little really useful tidbits of just how to breathe and just you know be aware. I think breathing is a very underrated skill that we don't pay enough attention to. So I've been uh, reading those two books. I've been listening to House of Rugby, the podcast on on Spotify with uh, Alex Payne, uh, James Haskell, and guests, which is just bloody hilarious. So reading, listening, what else? Watching. Oh, watching. Last Dance has been amazing. What was I watching last night? I was watching the ATP 250 from, from Pune. Uh, earlier this year so some crappy tennis tournament but you know I was I, and that's the thing I'm I'm channel surfing but I'm so desperate for sport I will watch bloody anything <laughs> so that just leaves us to say thank you so much Jason for your time today and being in our second ever podcast so thank you guys that was cool thank you very much indeed Mr De La Pena I hope that we can all meet together in person in a stadium sometime soon in the future when all of this shit is over and enjoy some sports together. 100%. I think I'll leave that with you two. I'm quite happy not to go to watch the sport. That was fantastic. Jason's a really interesting guy, isn't he? He is, isn't he? Mind you, I thought he was never going to shut yeah, up. Yeah, I know. He's really good at talking, isn't he? <laughs> he definitely likes to talk, doesn't he? Talking to him personally as a mate, you know, there's really good banter and conversation. But speaking to him within the context of an interview, he really had loads and loads of stuff that he that he wanted to say. He did. Do you think maybe that's a um, consequence of lockdown? Do you think he, he just, every time he gets a chance to talk to other people, do you think it's just like... 
a lid being taken off and everything spills out. Totally. There's so much to talk about, clearly, when it comes to the world of sports. The one thing that I found really interesting in what he was talking about was this idea of, you know, just fuck it. Forget about the lockdown. We're just going to get on with the sports anyway, because it just seems that if you're going to bring in rules and regulations around social distancing, around the way that you can or can't play sports, really, the only answer to this is to go out there and say, fuck it, we're just going to do it. Yeah, and it was really interesting what he was saying about um, routine, wasn't it? Because I guess... Um, we all know sort of how dedicated professional athletes are, but it's not just athletes, right? You know, Jason himself was saying um, how routine was so important to him, even when he stopped being an athlete, that was still there psychologically. And that's one of the things that he's found quite difficult to cope with um, during the lockdown is, is, is really letting go of your old routine and realizing you can't have that and then trying to create a new routine for yourself. That's right, yeah. Great conversation. Loved it. And I'm really looking forward to watching Last Dance. Oh, it's great. And he recommended uh, Andre Agassi's uh, autobiography as well, didn't he? Definitely on the list. That's it for this week. Who are we talking to next week? I promise this isn't nepotistic. We've got Nadia Woodhouse. I work with her. She works in our Jakarta office, but she's got an awful lot of stuff to say about video. She's extremely talented. She's a brilliant producer, director, and she works on most of our big projects that we do with brands and agencies. And also she does a lot of work for our NGO clients as well. So she'll be with us next week talking about the future of video. Brilliant. I look forward to that. You've been listening to me, Andrew. And me, Susie, and our lovely guest. On What's Next, the podcast which asks just that. If you enjoyed listening, like, subscribe, leave a review. And do recommend us to anyone else that you think would find our ramblings interesting. You can find this podcast on all the major channels where you find your podcasts. So join us next week when we'll be asking someone else. What's, what's next? next?